Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for what the hell is it? The 9th of December 2022. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Happy, glorious, beautiful Friday to you. I hope it's awesome. Alrighty. I want to get this started as quickly as possible because I want to get my weekend started as quickly as possible and your weekend started. And the weekend effing review started at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com where it can be found, along with all sorts of other content, starting at midnight. You can enter to win the contest to win the autographed Trump book or Peter Thiel book, your choice of billionaires. Check it out. Support the program, if you please. Much appreciated. All right, let's start the show. There's a, a lot going on, a bunch of things to talk about. we got to talk about the big story. Every Oh, my goodness, you can't turn on the television today without seeing that Brittany Griner is free, free at last, free at last. After a couple of months of detention in Russia, evil Russia, for a crime she she did commit, actually, she would not make the A-team. The A-team was wrongfully convicted of a crime they did not commit. Brittany Griner actually did commit this. <laughs> she was caught with weed. She was smuggling in marijuana. Don't forget this. This is... <sighs> She did it. You, you go to a country, you go to another country, and I don't care. They're going to try. Watch what happens when Oprah gets a hold of her, when the Democrats get a hold of her. They can't, they can't just say, welcome back, Brittany. Now go about your business. Because her, her going about her business is meaning nobody has any freaking idea who she is. Because nobody had any freaking idea. This is from a career standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, this is the. The greatest thing to ever happen to her. No, I'm not saying she deserved to be in prison, blah, blah. Well, she did for a bit, but not nine years. But to sit there and say, oh, my goodness, this is terrible. This is horrible. What a monster. She needs, what a hero. Had you heard of her beforehand? Be honest. Had you heard of Brittany Griner before she got arrested in Russia? I promise you, you didn't. Unless you're one of the very, very few people who watch the WNBA with any regularity and take note of the players' names, not just fell asleep in front of the TV while a game was on and then you woke up and there's WNBA there and you're sitting there and you're having a weird dream about really crappy basketball. No, that doesn't count. Talking about a real fan. There are, in a nation of 330 million people, there are maybe... 20,000 people like that who are real fans. I mean, they, they, I collect sports cards. They had a ton from when I was a kid. I look into it. There, there's, there are WNBA cards. They're just, okay, not a whole lot of interest in it, just like the WNBA. But still, she was an American detained overseas for an extended period of time expressly because she was a high-profile or high-ish profile American. So the Biden administration worked tirelessly, tirelessly to release her from prison. 
in exchange for a guy called the Merchant of Death, who is a Russian arms dealer, a guy who's responsible for, you know, how many? How many deaths could Victor Bout be responsible for? Well, your guess is as good as mine, and there's no answer too high. When you are selling arms indiscriminately to simply the highest bidder, and sometimes to the same, you know, two sides of a war... You've got a lot of blood on your hands. You've got a lot of money in your bank account, but you've got a lot of blood in your hands. So you trade this high-profile evil piece of crap, let's just be honest about what it is, for a WNBA star because she's able to stir up media attention. See, uh, the media loves the WNBA. They love the concept of the WNBA. I should say nobody really loves the WNBA, but they love the concept of the WNBA, just like they love the concept of women's U.S. soccer. The public doesn't give a crap about women's U.S. soccer, but every time Megan Rapino changes her hair color or has some sort of anti-American statement, they're all over. You're like, oh, international soccer star. No, nobody cares. But if you're on the team, you're on the team, and so they take care of you. So does that seem like a fair trade to you? Does that seem like a good deal to you? A basketball player who admitted doing the actual crime. Now, the nine-year sentence, nine-and-a-half-year sentence was garbage. It was. But when you travel to another country, you are subject to the laws of that country. So don't be an idiot, okay? Can I just say that you're not allowed to say that Brittany Grenier was an idiot, but she was an idiot for bringing THC-laced vape oil with her into Russia. Because apparently she was going to go over there and play for a while, and she just couldn't, I don't know, deal with it without getting high. If you can't handle not being high, maybe you got bigger problems to deal with. Now, marijuana isn't addictive what is addictive is ignorance and arrogance and i think Brittany griner suffered from that she's ignorant of the laws or just didn't care and she's arrogant you get away with it here it's the way you're rich in here this country i can't say she's a celebrity she wasn't a celebrity before this but she's rich she's got money she's got more money than the average american she's not making michael jordan money but she's She's making money playing a game. So she can get away with it. Plus, there are various states in the country where it's legal to do what she did and what she wanted to do. So why shouldn't she be allowed to do it anywhere? And this is where the stupidity comes in. You have freedom of speech in the United States. You go to any other country on the planet, not the United States, and criticize their government, if they have laws against criticizing their government or say the wrong thing, you will be arrested. You could be arrested. You should be arrested because you are subject to the laws of the country you are in. Right? That's it. You don't get to take your constitutional rights with you. You have a constitutional right to keep and bear arms. Thank God you do. You don't when you go to Canada... You can't bring your gun with you and say to the Canadian border guard or the Mountie who pulls you over going, hey, man, I know you don't want me to have this gun, but who the hell do you think you are? I'm an American. I have a right to carry this gun. No, you don't. You're not in America. 
you're not in America. You've got to recognize these things. And if you're too dumb to do that, then it's hard for me to have a lot of sympathy for you. There's a reason I don't go to why I've never really entertained the idea of going to China. There's a reason I've never entertained the idea. Not that, geez, what what you see in the food doesn't really interest me. But what you see over there doesn't... No, I would love to see the Great Wall. I'd love to see the Forbidden City. There's just a lot of history. I've, I've, uh, I can't say I've studied it, but I've studied it in a couple of classes, the history of China. It would be fascinating for me to see it. But I know my mouth, yeah, this beautiful, glorious mouth, would get me into trouble. Because I would not be able to not say something, particularly if something irritated me. That's just how I am. I've yelled, I've had confrontations with French people who are being rude in the subway system, for example. It's just, it's best that I don't go. It's best that I don't go. Not that China knows who I am or would be hunting for me. He's coming. Keep an eye out at the airports or anything like that. No. But is anybody, now, granted, the most likely scenario is they just toss my ass out of the country. But I'm not willing to risk, first of all, I'm not willing to pay the money for a vacation that could be cut short because I criticized communism. Secondly, I'm not willing to risk communists going, let's just send him home. That should be punishment enough. I don't believe that's how they work. So I'm not going to China, period. If you're going to go to Russia, first of all, don't. Secondly, obey their laws. Familiarize yourself with their laws. Now, what's worst, and the worst part about this whole thing, is while Brittany Griner has been held in Russia for several months, several months, Paul Whelan has been held in Russia for several years. Several, four years, as a matter of fact. Uh, he was arrested in 2018, he's an American who was doing nothing. He's a former Marine who was minding his own business. And the Biden administration didn't secure his release because what's the political advantage? Look, Paul Whelan, he's a white guy. He's just the worst kind of white guy. He's a straight white guy, right? Am I right? Yeah, he's the worst kind of white guy. And so he's going to continue to rot in a Russian prison. Because why? Because he's the wrong skin color. He's the wrong sexual orientation. Brittany Griner is not only black, she's also married to a woman. So that is a twofer. In the, this is the equivalent of hitting the lottery in left-wing circles. You can't get more amazing than that. Former Marine, I mean, Wayland, not only is he a straight white male, look, right? Well, you got to gag a little as you say that if you're a leftist. He's also a former Marine. It means he's served this country. Ugh, a threefer. So Joe Biden wins with his base on both sides. He didn't do anything to free the white guy, but he helped the WNBA star that everybody cared about. It's amazing, given all the publicity that Brittany Griner's gotten, Paul Whelan's really gotten no publicity. Oh, they've written some things up on their websites on these left-wing organizations, but they haven't really delved into the story. Now, what's messed up, again, we gave up a guy 
who was an arms dealer, an international arms dealer. Here's how CBS News report uh, puts it. Brittany Griner, the WNBA star, was held for months in Russia in prison on drug charges, was released Thursday in a one-for-one prisoner swap for international arms dealer Victor Bout. International arms dealer Victor Bout. You've got to love that. Basketball player, international arms dealer. International arms dealer makes a lot of money, likely, for Putin, right? Rich guy. You're only rich in Russia at the uh, allowance of Vladimir Putin, meaning you you make Vladimir Putin rich. You don't even have to send him. I don't think you have to send him most of it. You just got to, like the mafia, like the Democrats, you got to send enough. You got to send a good chunk, 10, 15% ought to do it. So he's an earner. Victor Bout is an earner. So Putin has every incentive to get this guy back. And you really got to think to yourself, what the hell is wrong with a country that wants an international arms dealer back, citizen or not? Then you realize, oh, yeah, it is the money thing. It's also the humiliation thing. If you can make the president of the United States look like a weak weenie, by you sending him a basketball player in exchange for a horrible arms dealer responsible for deaths all throughout the third world, you have succeeded. Not in, Look, our allies already know Joe Biden's weak and they've baked that into the cake. But there are other countries out there where Russia would like to exert influence, but they're sort of afraid of what the United States might do. And then you look at this exchange and you go, you mean Vladimir Putin got the United States to give up a guy who's responsible for a lot of death for a basketball player. And that's it. They left a Marine behind. They left Paul Whelan in there, accused of espionage, garbagely accused of espionage. They left him there. They didn't insist. They didn't say, all right, we'll give you your arms dealer, but we got to have all these Americans who are held over there. Because there's like a dozen or so Americans that are held over there. Nope. Joe Biden went for the high-profile person, the only the high-profile person. Only the high-profile person. The rest of it, ah, to hell with it. We'll deal with that another day. We'll give away all of our leverage, and then we'll somehow be able to have leverage that we can use to free these other people or something, right? Isn't that? No. That If that doesn't make any sense to you, that's because you're smart. And if you're smart, you have no business being involved in this administration, you see. The president... At a big event this morning at the White House where he spoke, and he actually made, I mean, it was already known, but he came out and made the announcement of Griner's release. Let's listen to uh, Sniffy Uncle Joe. Good morning, folks, and it is a good morning. Moments ago, standing together with her wife, Sherelle, uh, in the Oval Office, I spoke with Brittany Griner. She's safe. She's on a plane. She's on her way home. After months of being unjustly detained in Russia, held under intolerable circumstances, Brittany will soon be back in the arms of her loved ones, and, uh, and she should have been there all along. This is a day we've worked toward for a long time. We never stopped pushing for her release. It took painstaking and intense negotiations, and I want to thank all the hardworking public servants across my administration who worked tirelessly to secure her release. Worked tirelessly. They got the Russians exactly what they wanted and gave us the bare minimum. We gave away all of our leverage and got one person. 
We got one person. You can't again say she was unjustly detained when she actually did break the law. If Brittany Griner doesn't smuggle THC laced vape oil in cartridges so she can get high because I don't know, she can't go without it, this situation wouldn't have happened. It did happen. A Marine was left behind because the Biden administration loves leaving Americans who don't have PR machines behind them behind. But that's it. He'll celebrate this. It's worth celebrating, but there's also a lot more worth uh, questioning. Anyway, uh, there's other stuff going on. I, I doubt you know who this person is. I just want to comment on this briefly because it's so damned funny and so typical. If you really want to get a look inside the left-wing bubble, if you really want to get a peek inside how the progressive mind works, there's a writer called uh, Jessica Valenti. You probably have seen her on uh, MSNBC or CNN. Her Twitter bio says, I write about abortion every day at abortioneveryday.com. You imagine? God, how pathetic is your life that that's what you're writing uh, she uh, writes feminist books, including Sex Object, The Purity Myth, and more. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. You you probably never heard of those books, but I promise you they're in your local library because they're on the right team. Anyway, she lives in New York City. And I told you about the last time I was in New York City back in June. I went into a Dwayne Reed, which is... Uh, the, the drugstore there. I think it's Walgreens owned. And everything except food was locked up. Literally, it was behind plexiglass. If you wanted to get any, you wanted to get conditioner, shampoo, razor blade, shaving cream, toothpaste, uh, adult diapers, baby diaper, anything. If you wanted anything, it had you had to push a button, chimes would start going off, the customer needs assistance in aisle four. And somebody who worked there would have to come over and unlock the thing and get you whatever it was. Ooh, it's a new hairbrush. Thank God that was locked up. Why? Because New York is a pit now. It's a pit of thievery. You're almost a sucker if you're paying for things in New York City, in some in San Francisco, in Los Angeles. You're you're almost stupid if you're paying for things. You're like, wow, you're 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 the guy still still paying things. But uh, it wasn't a shock. Now, weirdly, food was not behind the security gates, behind the plastic. Food. You need food to survive. You don't need a, a scrunchie for your hair to survive. No matter how annoying your split ends are when it's really humid and it starts getting in your face, you don't need it to survive. But the things you do need to survive are the things that have really the lowest resale value. You think about it. From a thieving perspective, there's no there's no margins in food. Food expires, even canned goods expire. And more importantly, there is the competition of soup kitchens giving away free food. So there is serious competition in the, the thievery thing well not thievery, but in in the marketplace that stealing food and essential has no margins. So anyway, Jessica Valenti, this uh, liberal thought leader, this liberal intellectual, goes into a Rite Aid in New York and takes a picture of the diapers behind the plexiglass, locked up. 
and she had some thoughts that she thought the world needed to hear. And it's rather funny and telling. This is the baby aisle at my local Rite Aid. We're a country that wants to force women into childbirth and then locks up diapers. You, did I mention that she writes at abortioneveryday.com? You begin to see she's got a one-track mind. It's really such a perfect encapsulation of American motherhood, she said. Yes, American mother. Now, don't worry. Nobody's going to impregnate Jessica Valenti. First of all, if she somehow did come across a soiled toilet seat and become impregnated, she would gleefully abort it. But I doubt that that uh, would even happen. Her mere existence in your zip code is the equivalent of saltpeter. That's not just a comment on her looks, although it is. It's also a comment on her personality. <clears throat> she then continues, on a more practical level, how about you just let people steal the effing diapers if they need them? I would hope that ensuring babies don't sit in their own filth is a universal value. You got to love this. Just capitalism sucks to these people. They don't understand it. Now, if you were to take her work from abortioneveryday.com or any of the other, I'm sure she's written at the New York Times and the, the Washington Post and MSNBC. I'm sure she's written all over the Internet. If you were to just simply repurpose her work without getting her permission, more importantly, paying her for it, why she would throw a fit. How dare you? I put blood, sweat, and tears. I needed. Well, these companies do that. Well, that, no, those different companies are evil. Oh, really? I, I might argue that you are, Jessica. But anyway, babies don't fit. There are places to get free diapers if you are actually of need. See, if you're living in Manhattan, there's a possibility that you could be of need. But if you're living in Manhattan, those odds are slimmer than normal because Manhattan is very expensive to live in. New York is very expensive to live in. And even if you are low income, there are a ton of quote-unquote social safety net programs out there. She says uh, law enforcement especially in New York City, would like us to believe that there are roving gangs of shoplifters who are interested in diapers for reasons beyond keeping babies clean. It's disgusting. Well, it is true. Because why do you think it is that when you see the footage from any of the other drugstore robberies where they're stealing hair products, right? They're stealing hair dye. They're stealing creatine treatments. They're stealing... Everything you can possibly imagine. Is that really a plague of bad styling and wrong colors and things like Or is it because those things have resale value, right? People are willing to pay them. Diapers are not cheap. Having a daughter who just got out of pull-ups, I can attest to that. It sucks. And you're very, very happy when they get out of them. But, you know, hair dye. It's 10 bucks in the store, 12 bucks in the store, whatever it is. And you know what? If you can steal 40 of them and sell them for, you paid nothing, and you sell them for five, six bucks a piece, people who are willing to pay 10 to 12 bucks a piece, or some of the more expensive ones I think are 20 bucks, you sell them for 10 bucks, you are suddenly, they're going to, well, I'm paying half price, and you're saying, I'm getting a, you know, there is no percent markup. 
on something because you can't multiply by zero. You're making a ton of money. That's why it happens. So if diapers cost 30 bucks for a whatever pack and you steal them, the person who is going to pay 30 bucks for that whatever pack would likely pay 20 bucks for that whatever pack from you online or at, out of your apartment or whatever. There is a big markup on these things. And you know why, Jessica Valenti? I realize you're probably too dumb to understand this, but diapers are necessary. You've sort of laid it out in your argument that nobody should ever make a profit off of a diaper, which is stupid. Uh, but uh, diapers are necessary, just like, you know, they're kind of important. So people will pay for them. People will buy them if they fell off a truck looking to save money. She finishes up saying, I'd be curious to know if diapers are locked up in other parts of NYC. I don't think it's a coincidence that my Rite Aid happens to be the closest one to a public housing development. You mean where all the people are on public assistance and getting free and or reduced rent? So theoretically, them buying these things would be actually easier than other people. You just think immediately, Jessica Valente, that somebody being poor means somebody's a criminal? You think that? The answer is yes, she does think that. All liberals think that. And there's a bunch of leftists in the... uh, and the response is going, why? Here's a picture of baby formula locked up. Why is baby formula locked up? Because people will steal it. Because people will steal it. Right? It's very specialized. It's very expensive. And people will, it's not, even though it's not very, it's, it, it, people will steal it. That's why it's locked up. You can buy all the cold, you can steal all the cold cuts you want. The baby formula is different. These people live in a bubble. And it's slowly running out of oxygen. Shifting gear. I'm looking. By the way, I, I the uh, what do you call it? People or not people? Time Magazine announced their person of the year, and it was of course uh, Zelensky over in Ukraine because that you you would lose your press credentials if you went with anybody but him. But if you put it up to the people, it's kind of funny. They did put it up to the people. They put it up for a vote on their website. Four million people weighed in. And the easy winner for Time's Person of the Year is the women of Iran who have been protesting their oppression over there. It's weird. Zelensky is the guy who, I mean, honestly, what does he bring to the table? He brings Hollywood to the table. He brings warmongers to the table. He brings a lot of defense contractors and people who are getting a ton of money out of this boondoggle over there. We're now placing special orders with defense contractors for the next two years. We're out. We have disarmed ourselves of an important missile defense system here in the United States. We don't, we gave all we had pretty much to Ukraine. And it takes apparently two years to build a missile, to build any of these, to replenish our supply. And so we want to give more. Biden wants to give more to Ukraine of this missile defense system, of these missiles for this missile defense system. So what is he doing? He's going around to our allies and pulling the wimpy defense. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a missile defense missile today. They're saying 
if we can we have your missiles that we sold or gave you or whatever so that we can send them to ukraine and we promise that in two years when we start getting more because it takes somehow somehow it takes that long to make them we will replenish what you have given us and i'm sure we'll have to throw in extra because watch this the rest of the world is they pretend to care desperately and deeply about the fate of ukraine they're not really super willing to make a lot of sacrifices for ukraine like we are we're going oh, we'll just throw more money in. more money more money more money we're being hammered by inflation but let's just do something that's wildly inflationary let's just instead of trying to negotiate russia's removal from ukraine let's just keep throwing money at it money at it money at it why because you can only imagine the dirt that ukraine has on american politicians it seems to and western politicians in general it seems to be if you know anything about ukraine it seems to be the western world's money laundering thing like honestly i am re-listening to a book let me look up what it's called i'm re-listening to a book because i only do books on tape i'm wildly illiterate i don't have any time for it not true but i'm uh, re-listening to a book because i like listening to books on tape it's called rothstein the life and times of the uh, the life and times and murder of the criminal genius, and uh, I'm looking at it, it's very small. I can't read it, but it's by uh, David Petrucia, one of my favorite authors. About uh, Arnold Rothstein, he's the guy who fixed the 1919 World Series. He was the bankroll in New York City at the turn of the century, up until the 30s, when he was murdered, killed. Lived long, quite a quite a time after being shot. Communicated with police. Refused to say who shot him. I guess you got to admire that. I guess, but it is uh, fascinating because he is the bankroll. He knew nobody in the underworld was going to turn on him till eventually he crossed the wrong person who didn't really know any better. Seemingly, though we don't. His murder remains unsolved. But there's some speculation there. Anyway, everybody knew not to mess with Arnold Rothstein because he had the goods on everybody. He had the good. The police didn't mess with him because he was paying off the police on behalf of the mafia and on behalf of himself. The politicians knew not to mess with him because he was paying off the politicians on behalf of the other crime lords and mostly on behalf of himself and his gambling interests and what have you. Nobody in the public, the, the gambling public, the wealthy gambling public back then dare mess with Arnold Rothstein because he could ruin them financially. He could, he could expose so much about their vices and everything. And he was... The prime example of somebody who was so corrupt and had their fingers in so many different pies that it almost insulated him from anybody going at him. Somebody eventually did. You got to read the book to find out. But uh, it's interesting. Zelensky and Ukraine in particular, not necessarily Zelensky, seems to be that way. Every government in at least the Western world and probably the rest of the world had some sort of financial ties and financial dealings with Ukraine. And then you end up with the degenerate children of American politicians having deals with Ukraine. Now, would you be surprised 
if it turns out that those dealings with Ukraine were not necessarily on the up and up. Now, it's more than just Hunter Biden. It's John Kerry's kid. It's Nancy Pelosi's kid. You name the power broker uh, in Washington, D.C., and their kid or their cousin or their sibling or somebody has probably got some kind of interest of money that either comes directly from Ukraine or passes through Ukraine. There's really, honest to God, no reason on the face of the earth to pay Hunter Biden $80,000 a month to consult in an industry he knows nothing about, in a country he'd never been to, that conducts its business in a language he doesn't speak. Why the hell would you do You just do that to curry favor with his family. That's how it works. And believe you me, it works. So the rest of the world, not just Biden, Joe Biden is probably very nervous about the upcoming congressional investigation into his son and his brother, and by extension him, because that's how he got rich. But there are a lot of other people up there too who are very, very nervous about looking into Ukrainian businesses because their families and therefore them have benefited directly and indirectly from those ties. So when you look at that situation, Time Magazine goes, well, he's person of the year. He's just wonderful. And all of the politicians go, here's a blank check. Let me just sign it. You do and take whatever you need. We will, we will run out of various types of ammunition in this country for our military to ensure that your military has these types of ammunition. It's wildly stupid. We're disarming ourselves at a time when not only is Russia saber rattling towards us, although I think that's mostly bluster, but you never know and you've got to prepare for this sort of stuff. You've also got China making overtures toward Taiwan. You've also got Iran. Now, what's going on in Iran? They're not necessarily saber rattling. They, through uh, the miracle of puppetry, control essentially the government of Iraq, but internally, they are losing their grip on power. Will they completely lose it? Will they fall? I doubt it, but maybe, and we can hope that they do. But if that grip continues to loosen, according to these protests, and because of these protests, and more and more people step up, even if it's just a military strongman going to come in and take over, and I'll appoint myself new Shaw, don't be surprised if Iran, in an attempt to maintain power, the mullahs, in an attempt to maintain power, start something over there. We will be woefully ill-prepared for that. Woefully prepared for that because of Ukraine. I could not have imagined or envisioned, and it's my own fault and everybody else's fault for not paying attention, could not have envisioned a scenario where the Western world disarmed itself in the name of protecting a country that, quite frankly, nobody ever thought of because it's not worth thinking of. Oh, they portray it as, oh, it's the, it's the breadbasket of the world. There is nothing that Ukraine does that could not be emulated elsewhere. You just look at Ukraine's position on the globe, and you go around the globe, the climate around the globe, around the band of that globe, is roughly the same. You can go by the uh, latitude, I think it is, up and down. The climate's pretty much the same. The higher There are places that well, they grow so much of the world's wheat. Well, we could grow that, that wheat. Why? How can you say? Well, we grow a lot of corn. 
We subsidize the hell out of growing corn here in the United States. So what happens? You get a ton of corn grown. And more, way more than an actual literal ton. You get an ungodly amount of corn grown. Why? Because the simple act of growing corn gets you money from the government. And then you get money on top of it for selling your corn. Well, a lot of that, we grow so much corn that a lot of that corn goes to waste, which means what? It means we're growing too much corn. We're growing way too much corn. Why? Because we're subsidizing it. See, Economics 101. What we could do is say, hey, corn growers, you like your subsidies? I get it. But right now, the world's breadbasket is being threatened. We need to come up with grain. We need to make up for grain. So why don't you, some of you, and since our farmland is immeasurably larger than Ukraine's farmland. It shouldn't take that much. Why don't some of you grow some wheat? And we'll subsidize that too, because we subsidize everything. But so you don't lose, because most farmers will go to hell with you. I'm going to keep growing what you're, even if I'm throwing it away, I'm going to get paid by the government subsidies to grow this corn. So, all right, we'll just replace the corn subsidy with the wheat subsidy for some of you. And we could easily replace what Ukraine does. We could do that. We should do that. But I promise you, if we do do that, there will be uh, phone calls from Ukraine over to the U.S. going, what are you doing? What are you doing? And there may well be threats that accompany those phone calls going, don't you remember how much we paid your family or your friends? Or We have all of those emails. We kept every one of those faxes. We have the whole shebang. You want to think twice about what you're doing today? That's how this garbage works. That's the only explanation I can come up with as to why we can sit there and go, well, Ukraine, we will spend as much money as possible. We will do whatever is necessary. We will harm our national security in the name of protecting Ukraine's national security. There's no other explanation for it. None. So, yeah, as we watch all of this unfold, Time Magazine names in person of the year because they have to. Meanwhile, there are far more important people. I'd really like to see an investigation into this guy in Ukraine who is Time's person of the year, who has jailed dissidents, who has shut down opposition media, done all of the things that Democrats claim so desperately to be against. He's acted in many ways like a fascist. Now, granted, extraordinary times sometimes require extraordinary measures. But to that extent, to the point that you're unwilling to negotiate for peace, there's something else going on. Something else going on. There are many journal. well, I would say there are many journalist awards out there, journalistic awards out there for anybody willing to look into it, but that's not true. In this environment, when you upset the left-wing power structure in Washington, D.C., in media, you'll probably get fired like that guy. Uh, NBC News, they haven't officially fired him yet, but the guy who has been suspended at NBC News for reporting on the Paul Pelosi attack, that Paul opened the door for police and then went back over to his attacker, didn't immediately say that anything was wrong. Yeah, that guy's still suspended. The report has been retracted. Not been refuted, it's just been removed, it's been disappeared. 
They don't say it was wrong. They just try to pretend it never happened because that upset Nancy Pelosi. In fact, Nancy Pelosi was so upset that you could see frown lines on her forehead after a Botox treatment. That's how that is very upset. You don't get that upset very often if you're Nancy Pelosi. But when you can show frown lines across the forehead after as much Botox has been pumped into her, you know you've hit a nerve. All right, let's uh, let's shift gears here and shift our gaze a little bit to the north. Canada is a very left-wing country. It's not really all that left-wing. You sit there and you you watch watch the coverage of any news out of Canada, and what do you see? You see Justin Trudeau with his coiffed hair and a, a, a glowing media in this country talking about he's young and he's handsome and he's everything that that Joe Biden isn't because he's got a couple of brain cells to rub together. Well, you got to have more than a couple to rub together to really get anything going. But he is the opposite of Joe Biden. He's what the left in this country wish that Joe Biden were. It's the way they view Barack Obama if Barack Obama were just a little bit younger. He's very young, good-looking, and able to BS with a smile and unhindered by any semblance of, gee, maybe I shouldn't do that, or maybe I shouldn't say that. He doesn't give a damn about that. Well, Canada has implemented, he doesn't have a majority, by the way. He's cobbled together a majority. That's why. I think he's actually lost as far as the popular vote in Canada in the last couple of elections, but the way that... uh, parliamentary governments work it's the coalitions form and and so the loser can win so don't be fooled while he's trampling over all those truckers rights and everything he's not he's not running away wildly popular up there it's just one of those damn things that the right up in canada has to get their act together so canada has euthanasia right they have euthanasia over there in uh, can or up there in canada and uh, they call it assisted dying and whatever. If that's what they want to do. I, I don't support it, but I'm not going to. It's Canada. We're not in the. We're not in Canada. Canada can do whatever the hell they want. But there's an interesting trend happening up there that was. As the left has tried to bring euthanasia in this country. The argument, the counter argument has always been from we conservatives is slippery slope aside from the morality and religious and all that the the slippery slope well here's the slippery slope ideal 2018 canada assisted suicide it's funny they don't have the death penalty but they have assisted suicide 4480 canadians 2018 2019 5661 canadians 2020, 7,603 Canadians. And last year in 2021, 10,064 Canadians. There's every reason to believe that they'll achieve a new high score this year because that's how it works. That's how it works. But the problem is it's going from assisted suicide to government nudging played for you the other day the 
advertisement, life is beautiful, live it. But then when you don't want to live it anymore, kill yourself ad from that Canadian clothing company. That's just the beginning. This story from uh, from an Alaska, it's a must-read Alaska news site of Alaska. Canada's Veterans Affairs Office offered to assist a veteran in committing suicide after she asked to have a wheelchair lift installed in her home, the woman told the House of Commons Veterans Affairs Committee last week. Christine, Christine Gaultier, I imagine that's how you pronounce it, a retired corporal and competitor representing Canada at the 2016 Paralympics in Rio de Janeiro, testified to lawmakers that a Veterans Affairs official had offered in writing to provide her with an assisted suicide kit, which contains medication for someone to end their own lives. Gaultier had been fighting for a wheelchair lift for her home for five years. Now, five years. She is uh, an Olympian for the country. If you watch, most of you probably haven't had the experience I had, is not very often, that uh, my experience growing up in Detroit comes in handy and, and presents a different worldview. But growing up in Detroit, you get Channel 9. When This was before we could afford cable. We had Channels 2, 4, and 7. Those were CBS, NBC, and ABC. We had Channel 20 and Channel 50. Those were the UHF channels with no particular affiliation that just ran random stuff. And we had Channel 56. That was the PBS station. Later on, when Fox came out, Channel 2 became Fox and Channel 62 became CBS, but you don't need to know that. But also in the mix was Channel 9. Channel 9 was the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. That allowed us to watch, to see the world view from an international perspective. I don't think Canada is international, but it is a different world. They have different money. They have different attitudes. It's very... You know you're in Canada when you're in Canada. First of all, nobody's flipping you the bird. But they are very they are off-puttingly nice sometimes, most of the time. But they're ready to fight when they get enough Labatt in them. Labatt Blue in particular, even though Molson Canadians are better beer. That's beside the point. You see the patriotism in Canada. They are rabidly pro-Canadian. Almost, it's weird watching the U.S. coverage of the Olympics versus the Canadian coverage of the Olympics. They they focus on different things. For example, every hockey game in the Winter Olympics is on CBC because they love hockey. Some of them on are on here, not until they get to the medal round, so they all go on. They cover the hell out of curling. Yeah, they really do. Up there, they love their curling. I've watched hours of curling. I still don't feel like I understand anything about it. But they have a lot of curling up there. It's a different world. And every it's weird because here they're like, the Americans won a gold medal in this. The Americans won a gold medal in that. And I suppose you're sort of conditioned to that. And then you flip to another channel. And they're like, well, they're not covering the American who won the gold medal in this sport that nobody knows about. Because they're covering a Canadian who won a medal in a sport that nobody knows nothing about. But they are rabidly pro-Canadian. It's weird because you can watch American coverage. And yeah, there's some rah-rah stuff, but it's it's infected with liberalism. And it's almost like they're apologetic for it. Uh, we're not going to get too patriotic. We're going we're gonna to run a package on this, uh, what was it, the, the hammer-throwing woman who hates this country 
and doesn't want to stand on the podium when the American National Anthem is played. Like, well, she sucks. She came in like 23rd. The chances of her ever making the podium are pretty damn slim. But they profile her anyway because that allows them to sort of, in their minds, justify the rest of the stuff that is accidentally and unavoidably patriotic. Well, in Canada, they're they're unavoidably patriotic. They love Canada. Or at least they pretend to. Methinks thou doth protest too much, but whatever. So it's weird that somebody who is a veteran and represents their country in the Paralympics would find themselves in this situation. This is what happens in most places when you go, that looks really nice and like utopia. And then you pull back the curtain and you see what the hell is going on. Actually, we have a CBC report on this, as a matter of fact. You can hear the woman tell her story for herself. Listen to this and tell me how disturbed you are by it. For Christine Gautier, the fight to get a wheelchair lift in her home has been an uphill battle. I have to crawl down the stairs on my, on my butt with the wheelchair in front of me to be able to access my, my house. While pleading her case to a Veterans Affairs case manager over the phone in 2019, she was told something that would leave her feeling shocked. If things are so hard at this point and uh, you, you just can't keep going on, then you, you know we can assist you with uh, aid to die. And she's not the only one. She's not the only one. This has become quite common in Canada. That's how you go from... 4,000 assisted suicides four years ago to 10,000 assisted suicides this year. That's how it works. You start numbing people to the concept and then suddenly, boom, you just begin to suggest it, nudge it. Look, you're not terminal. But you know what? Your life's pretty rough. Wouldn't it be better off if you just killed yourself? You'd certainly be less of a burden on your family. They don't ever ask for the family's opinion. They're not in the family. No, no, no. They're going to say whatever they're going to say. I guarantee you families do not want their loved ones to pass on. But they don't care. Because to a faceless, nameless bureaucrat on the other end of a phone, you're nothing but a, a notch in the ledger. You're nothing than a column on a spreadsheet. You don't matter. You don't care. Look, we're five, five years to get a, a chairlift on a staircase in her house. She's a veteran. She is an Olympian. She's a perfectly fully functioning human being except for the need of a wheelchair. She's not dying. She's not terminal or anything. And, and they go, look, five years. We're not going to give you this. We don't want to give you They clearly don't want to give it to her for whatever reason. It's probably budgetary. And this, again, goes to the heart of why socialist med socialized medicine is so evil. Because when the government tells you no, who do you appeal to? You know, the private sector tells you no. You take them to court. Get the government to do government come in, step in, protect me. When who's going to protect you from the government? The government? You think the government's going to take your side against itself? So instead, they just go. Well, have you ever thought about killing yourself? I mean, let's be honest. If you're craw if you have to slide down your stairs on your butt, that's that's not going to be a pleasant experience. It's an indignity that we can spare you of. We'll send you a do-at-home kit. We'll send you a box filled with poison. You ever think that 
anybody but maybe your worst enemy would sell over to say, oh, well, we'll send you a box full of poison. We can put you out of your misery. But this is the government. This is their government. We'll send you a box full of poison along with detailed instructions on how to end your life. If you think this isn't coming here, you're not paying attention. It's not here yet. It's in Oregon, so it technically is here. But it is going to spread nationwide. They're going to spread it nationwide. If you look at the demographics problem in this country and uh, the Democrats' unwillingness to acknowledge that Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid are unsustainable long-term in the next 20 years, they will definitely go bankrupt or bankrupt the United States or take too much of our money that they're going to have to be radically changed. Well, you can prevent that need for being radically changed if you can thin out the herd. There are too many people retired and not enough people working. Well, we can't, we're trying to get more people working, Democrats are, by trying to import the third world, but they're not going to really earn enough money to, to make up the difference. They got to thin the herd at the end of the rainbow. They'll bring euthanasia here. Trust me, it's easier than facing the political realities of their failures. Look at the extent to which they go to ignore that now. God help us. Before we run out of time today, I do want to mark the anniversary of John Lennon's murder, his assassination. Just because I mark it, I like John Lennon. Every time I talk about it, I like John Lennon. Somebody emails me, John Lennon sucks because of X, Y, Z. I am fully aware of all the arguments as to why John Lennon sucks, both valid ones and invalid ones. And most of them have to do with opinions. You're free to have your opinions, whatever. But I will posit this clip. Uh, John Lennon talking about making your own dream. Now, John Lennon was in the 60s and 70s, a big hippy-dippy leftist. But I would put forth that after his time away from the music industry, for five years, 75 when Sean was born, to 1980 when they came out with Double Fantasy, that he had grown quite a bit and changed his worldviews. Not completely, but significantly in any event. Because if you listen to this clip from, it's either the last interview that John Lennon did or the second to last interview that John Lennon did. He talks about and it was either the day before he was killed or the day he was killed. He talks about not relying on others, not relying on government. To look, if you want to fix your problems, look to yourself. It's a very, I find it to be a very conservative message. So listen to it. We make your own dream. That's the right. Beatles story, isn't it? Right. That's Yoko's story. That's right. what I'm saying now. Right. Yeah. Produce your own dream. If you want to say Peru, go and say Peru. It's quite possible to do anything than not to put it on leaders and parking meters. Don't expect Carter or Regan or John Lennon or Yoko Ono or Bob Dylan or Jesus Christ to come and do it for you. You have to do it yourself. That's what the great masters and mistresses have been saying ever right. since time began. Right. Why? They, they can point the way, yeah. leave signposts, and little instructions in various books that are now called holy and worshipped for, for the cover of the book and not what it says. But the instructions are all there for all to see, have always been and always will be. There's nothing new under the sun. All roads lead to Rome. And 
people cannot provide it for you. Sound, uh, yeah, you could sit there and say, well, he's making fun of uh, religion. Not really. He's just saying, look, there's guidebooks out there. Do it yourself. Don't rely on government. That's the opposite of that hippy-dippy message of we can all do this together and sing Kumbaya. And let's, if we uh, circle the Pentagon and hold our hands, we can levitate the Pentagon, which was a thing that apparently hippies thought they could do in the 60s. <laughs> I swear to God, look it up. It's, it's that insane. But, yeah, I, I found that to be wildly conservative. He didn't immediately notice the way that he talked about Reagan. He did not recoil in horror. In fact, um, not long, it, it, not long before he was killed, but not immediately, like a couple years before he was killed. When before Reagan won in nineteen eighty, that interview is from December of nineteen eighty. John Lennon appeared attended a Monday night football game in New York, and it was a Giants game, and I. I th- I'm not. I know the story exists out there. I know I've seen the story, but somebody was talking. I think it was Don Meredith talking about how, or maybe it was Al Michaels, watching Ronald Reagan and John Lennon sitting there in whatever box they were in. Luxury boxes were different then. Still pretty luxurious compared to being out in the crowd. But sitting there with Ronald Reagan explaining American football to John Lennon. Different times, different times. I doubt they agreed on much, but that one was uh, pretty interesting. So now I want to play for you Howard Cosell. This is actually from Monday Night Football. John Lennon was assassinated in New York City on December 8th, 1980, just before midnight, about 11 o'clock he was coming home, pronounced dead just before midnight, at his uh, apartment at the Dakota Building in Manhattan. Monday Night Football, this is how literally most of the country found out about that. But it's suddenly been placed in total perspective for us. I'll finish this. They're in the hurry-up offense. Third down four. Foreman. It'll be fourth down. Kavanaugh will let it run down for one final attempt. He'll let the seconds tick off to give Miami no opportunity whatsoever. Timeout is called. Three seconds remaining. John Smith is on the line. And I don't care what's on the line, Howard. You have got to say what we know in the booth. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game. No matter who wins or loses. An unspeakable tragedy confirmed to us by ABC News in New York City. John Lennon outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City. The most famous, perhaps, of all of the Beatles. Shot twice in the back. Rushed to Roosevelt Hospital. Dead on arrival. Hard to go back to the game after that news flash, which in duty found we had to tell. Frank? Indeed it is. How the world found out about the death of John Lennon. 20, no, 42 years. John Lennon has been dead longer than he was alive. Let that sink in. And I think he became much more conservative as he got older, to be honest with you. All right, that is enough for today. I was going to play this clip of uh, this 
doctor talking about trans kids or whatever, but I think we've had enough for today. Let's get to the weekend, man. Let's do this thing. Let's party. No, let's just get to the weekend and enjoy it. Uh, the Weekend Evan Review, tonight, midnight, Eastern Time, at patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. Spell the way the Lord intended. D-E-R-E-K is how you spell Derek. You can always email me, Derek Allen Hunter, A-L-L-A-N. Again, I don't know. Lord decided to spell my name in multiple ways, but all of them but one wrong. Derek Allen Hunter at gmail.com. Have yourself, if you want to like check out the Week in Effort Review, and you haven't gotten any of the free ones I put out there, you can email me. I'll happily email you a, a, this week's episode. I don't have any idea what I'll be rambling about, but God knows there'll be enough stupid to do you know, 15 hours worth. I won't bore you with that much content, but I will entertain you. There was a Greg, even, no, somebody else emailed me. Uh, where's that? I don't. I don't want to give the uh, the wrong. Dan, Dan emailed me. <laughs> I showed this email to my wife. I don't show emails to my wife very often, but as I wanted to tell you right away how outrageously hilarious your comments were about ye, yay were Kanye. I have just now regained my ability to run my phone. I made the mistake of listening to your podcast while I was getting ready to bed down for the night. I was brushing my teeth when I started to laugh so hard I couldn't hit the button to stop your ramblings and was spitting toothpaste all over the floor and my stomach muscles became too exhausted to laugh and I still couldn't stop. You need to post a warning on uh, those notices and like those notices on plastic bags about the danger of children and infants. Just something to prevent the unsuspecting from tur- uh, tuning in while per- unprepared to be paralyzed by laughter. Well, Dan, there you go. Sorry, I hope I didn't stain the carpet or anything. But uh, yeah, you can expect that, or at least I aim for that every week with a lot of swearing. So. <laughs> Good for you, Dan. I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's awesome. And yeah, you know, if you do, we really need those warnings on the plastic bags, though. Like, what, do, are there people out there with an instinct of going, you know what? I was going to throw out this bag from Target, but I bet little three-month-old Timmy could have a blast with this thing, or two-year-old Becky would really enjoy this. Yeah. No, I, if you are, you're a danger to your child already. If you're if you're like on the fence about what you're going to do with your plastic bags, you might just throw them to your kids. You're a danger to yourself, your children, and others. Anyway, enough of that. Have yourself a great one. Hopefully, you'll be at the Week in Effin' Review. Otherwise, I'll see you back here on Monday. 